1: giant. With well, the giant moves. he's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast, and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate
2: him. Got closer, got closer,
1: got closer, when he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12-gauge and I'd blow this head off. And I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling it and they're literally i'm getting pulled off the bed i saw three long bony fingers with like claws on the end reach up underneath the door curl up to grab it and then disappear it's almost like they're unzippering our reality they stick their heads through and they look around and it looks like it's The coast is clear. They step through the rest of the direction. If you pick the head, you get the whole package.
0: If you don't pick the head off, then what happens is they disappear.
1: This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it.
0: But then I look over to my left, on the far side of the room, and there's Jack. And he's got... Blood on his face. He looks at me, and he just says one word. Oops. I've been killing E.T.s longer than most people have careers.
1: I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air.
2: Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move. Because I know I'm seeing a monster.
0: to the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals, a proud featured show of blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. Today, we have a great show coming up for you. But before we get into it, if you had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well. Now for our weekly iTunes shoutouts, if you go to iTunes and leave a rating and review, you will get a shoutout in the following week's show. And if you don't have iTunes and you still want to help the show out, just share this show's link around social media so it gets in front of other people. We greatly appreciate that as well. So this week's iTunes shoutouts is Jason... Eight six five Silver Mines Dr. Torchwood, KDG Kevlar 1988, Jay Murky, Dave from Ohio, and Fish Guts 2-3. Thanks for going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. I really appreciate it, as always. Now, moving on to this week's Patreon shoutouts. We do Patreon at patreon.com backslash the confessionals. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. backslash the confessionals. Patreon is a website you can go and help support the show financially, and there's a ton of different rewards for doing so. And just check out the rewards at patreon.com backslash the confessionals, and you'll be able to see if it's something right for you. Now, this week's Patreon shoutouts, this is people who signed up to be patrons last week. Ryan L., Charles M., Adam P., Sherry M., Ninny T., Renee G., and Dana M., Thanks so much for going to Patreon.com and helping to support the show. It means a lot to me. Like I said before, it's Patreon.com backslash The Confessionals. And there you'll be able to see all the different rewards if supporting the show is right for you. And to any of the patrons who have signed up but have not friend requested me on Facebook yet, I highly encourage you to do that if you have a Facebook account because then I can add you to the secret Facebook group. My Facebook account is Facebook.com backslash T. B. That's facebook.com backslash Merkel. Shoot me a friend request, and then I can add you to the secret group. Now, tonight we have two different interviews coming on. We have Kirk coming on to share his Bigfoot encounter and his Dogman encounter here in the state of Pennsylvania. He lives on the western side of the state from me, and he had two different accounts happen at two different times. And he comes on to share these accounts with us. But first, we want to bring on Leslie. And Leslie actually runs the Frank Sarris Library in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. She's organizing this whole event that me and my brother and everybody else are going out to. And we bring her on tonight to talk about what she's going to be doing at the Frank Sarris Library on April 14th, 2018 with this Bigfoot Town Hall meeting. So let's get to it right after this. Okay, tonight I have Leslie Yoder coming on. And Leslie actually works at a library in Cannonsburg called Frank Sarris Library. And she's holding a town hall for Bigfoot this year. And Leslie, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fine. And I'm looking I'm looking forward to Bigfoot Fest 2018. Uh, this is one of my favorite events to uh, host.
0: Yeah, now last year we came out. It was my wife, Lindsay, and I. And uh, she was pregnant at the time, and now we actually have the baby. And so things are a little different this year. I'm still going to go out, but I'm going to be bringing my uh, younger brother with me. But if you would, just share with us what this event is about and what's going to be happening this year.
2: Well, this year, this event, uh, I wanted to fo- give it a different twist this year. So I thought a town hall event would be great. Uh, we do have... Uh, Dave Groves, who has had an actual encounter with uh, a Sasquatch in the Allegheny National Forest, who will be with us. And my hope is that it draws others who've had encounters who will come and talk and feel free to talk. Uh, This is going to be an open... discussion, open forum. Uh, Also, our our guest speaker will be Doug Waller, who is the founder of the Southeastern Ohio Society for Bigfoot Investigation. The event will start at 1, and it's free. It's open to the public, and we're located uh, in Washington County, PA, in Cannonsburg, Uh, and so we are easily accessible from Interstate uh, 70 and 79. We're at a at a good, a good place, a good location, and Doug and uh, his partner in crime, Shauna Parks, have, uh, as I understand it, a new presentation. So I'm excited to listen and see what they've what they've come up with
0: yeah and I'm really excited about it too now Doug Waller is a great friend of mine, and obviously so is dave Grove. so it's just really nice to kind of get the gang together and and help host this event and uh, you know I know you were talking about having different people coming out and sharing their Bigfoot encounters and stuff, especially if they're you know they would lo- you would love to have a lot of local people coming out and sharing their experiences and I know you and I had talked about it a little bit ago where uh, the the fellow that was on my show for episode one Tom he actually is from Cannonsburg he is a, a farmer in Cannonsburg who has seen two different Sasquatch on two different occasions in Cannonsburg within the last two years and uh, he's really excited because I talked to him about it he wants to come out and share his story and stuff and have me kind of just help guide him through the you know sharing his story again in front of a live audience he's really excited about doing that
2: that's wonderful and this I'm sh- and I'm sure you know this Western Pennsylvania with the laurel ridge that runs The Chestnut Ridge that runs through this part of the state is and has been a hotbed of Sasquatch activity. Uh, The uh, Animal Planet's um, uh, Bigfoot program has, you know, been here. They have filmed in in Fayette County. They held a town hall in Uniontown, and they have also – been to the northern part of Pennsylvania near the Allegheny National Forest to talk to folks up there who've had encounters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Finding Bigfoot has been out there a couple of times in that area. I know Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, that whole area is filled with these stories of these creatures being out there. And, uh, it's absolutely fascinating. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just very excited about, you know, hosting, help, helping you guys pull this event off and it, it's just gonna be a lot of fun. Um, so you said that it starts at one o'clock and it's free, right?
2: Yes, it is free. And we, uh, there will be, uh, Doug Waller will be there also. And there will be, um, there will be, uh, items for sale, everything from, I believe, uh, t-shirts and other, and other things. And I, I'm not certain about books, but t-shirts and that sort of thing. Uh, there will also be, I'm going to be having a, a, a drawing for, a, uh, a prize, uh, probably once again with my, my favorite coffee vendor from the West Coast, Sasquatch Coffee, so i uh, be looking for that. Uh, that will also be taking place, and it's just a great time to get together with people who really believe that there is something out there, that it's not just that when people see these things it's not just a figment of their imaginations that there is something really to it and uh i believe in my interest in it comes from a historical and anthropological interest and then i be- really became interested when my husband and i started attending an event in wheeling at cabela's and the creature weekend and that's when my interest really peaked and it was at that point that i met Doug Waller and Shawna Parks. And the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, w- I was just talking to Dave Groves this week, and he wants to donate a piece of art for the, uh, the raffle that I think people are going to be pretty excited about. I don't want to give it away. You have to show up to find out what it is, but uh, he's very excited about donating this. So, uh definitely encourage people to come out. I've been telling people, you know, I'm driving six hours to get there. So within, if you're within a five-hour radius of Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, I highly encourage you to come, pack out this library, get a crowd there, and just have a great time hanging out with me, Doug Waller, Dave Groves, and everybody else. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, Leslie, I really appreciate you kind of coming on, just sharing a little bit about the event. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on April 14th.
2: And I as well. And For me, this is one of my favorite events that I host all year. And uh, so welcome and welcome everyone to Cannonsburg and the Frank Saris Public Library.
0: Fantastic. I'll see you there. Okay, Leslie?
2: We'll see you. Yes.
0: All right. That was Leslie. Thank you, Leslie, for coming on and just talking with us about the event. And everybody, I hope you guys can make it out. If you're four to five hours away from there, car drive-wise, I highly encourage you coming out for the day, checking it out, hanging out with me and other people. So next up, we have Kirk coming on, and Kirk's going to be sharing some of his Bigfoot and Dogman encounters, uh, starting off with his Bigfoot encounter with his in-laws. So it's a very interesting show we have coming up here tonight. So whip out the popcorn, get some soda, and tuck in for a great show. Let's get to it. Okay. Tonight, I have a great guest coming on. We have Kirk. And Kirk, you and I connected a little bit back and stuff about uh, some of your experiences here in Pennsylvania. Now, you're on the western side of the state. I'm on the eastern side of the state. And that's about six hours in between. So uh, we're not very close to each other. But you do have some very interesting experiences. Uh, You've actually seen Bigfoot. You've actually seen Dogman. And so uh, we're going to go into some of these experiences you've had uh, in Pennsylvania throughout your life. So uh, To start things off, I know you said you had a Bigfoot encounter in 1977. If you want, you can just kind of start us off right there and let us know what happened. Sure, no problem, Tony. Uh, In
1: 1977, I was fresh out of high school. I actually at the time was living in Ohio. And my father-in-law and brother-in-law were planning a hunting trip, deer hunting to West Virginia. They asked me if I would go, you know try to get to know the family better, I decided to go. So we were down hunting, uh, I won't give the exact location, but it was central West Virginia, right outside of an orchard. They wouldn't let us hunt on an orchard, but we could hunt right outside it. Uh, First day there, we decided to scout around. I went to the west side of the property, looking for a good place to hunt. I wandered for several hours, decided it was starting to get late. I needed to turn around, go back before it got dark. Uh, It was about 4.30 in the afternoon. As I went out, I always pick good reference points so that I can remember my way back. Well, I picked a reference point that had the two biggest trees on the ridge. So as I'm coming back, I come to that point, and I've got across a little valley that's about 50 yards wide. I'm at the top of the one ridge, looking across the valley, I see my trees, but I also see a big, dark thing about... Four foot high or so that looks like maybe a big rock, but I'm thinking to myself, "There's no way I could have missed that rock." What, you know, what the hell is this? Am I in the wrong spot? And about that time, that rock stood up. It was no rock. It was a Bigfoot. Its back was to me, and I literally froze. I have nothing but a bow and arrow. As I say, I'm 18 years old at the time. Uh, Don't have a clue what in the world this is I'm looking at. Just know that it's humongous. Um, I stand there pretty much shaking. Finally, after a couple minutes, this thing just turns slightly to the left, takes a couple steps and it's gone. I went ahead and waited a few minutes, wanting to make sure it's completely gone because I need to go that way to get back to the camper. Uh, As I'm standing there, I realize if I wait too long, it might return and I might run into it face to face. So I go ahead and I cross, get back to the camper, tell my father-in-law and brother-in-law what I saw, Didn't know what it was. The best way I could explain it was, well, maybe it was a bear. I knew in my heart it was no bear, but didn't know what else to say. Couldn't say it was a monster because I figured they'd make fun of me. Well, the father-in-law, he just laughed about it. The brother-in-law, he was somewhat interested in it, but You know, really didn't want to seem too interested in it because his dad would make fun of him. So we talk about it a little bit, and I'm pretty shook up. They could tell I was shook up. Uh, We go to bed that evening. The next morning, we decide we're going to scout a little bit more because nobody really found a decent place to hunt. Well, the brother-in-law, he says to me, let me go see where you saw this. Basically, we walked back over to this ridge line. And there again, both of us have our bow and arrows with us. Uh, Willie says to me, he says, and how big was this? And we were standing right beside the tree it was beside. I reached up to the limb that it had to duck under to get, from, to keep from hitting its head, and I could just touch that limb with my bow with an outstretched arm. Willie made the exclamation, That's got to be eight foot. He said, It can't be anything. There's nothing that big. Well, we went on, we went hunting, and I never did find any signs of any animals in the West end. So basically I hunted over on the East side. We went to a little store, convenience store and gas station to get coffee and cigarettes and such. Uh, we're talking with two locals in there. They ask the father-in-law who was native to down there originally if we had had any luck yet. And he just said, no, we'd seen a few signs, but not even what we thought we should. Uh, me being a young guy, I piped up, well, I saw a bear. The one local looks me dead straight in the eye and says, son, there's no bear here. And I said, "Yeah, it was a bear. It was big. It was on its hind legs. And, the guy says, there's no bear in this area. Stay out of the West End. Well, the bad thing is, I never told them where I was hunting, where I was looking down there. Uh, but they knew that I had to be in the West End of that property. Incidentally, that property was about 7,000 acres or so. Uh, so we went back, and we hunted... Uh, the father-in-law, brother-in-law and myself, we all stayed kind of close together, not spread out as we were intending to be. And that afternoon I hear the father-in-law yelling, I got one, I got one. And me and the brother-in-law went running over to where he was and he was already down out of his stand. We started to track this deer. We got to where you could tell the deer laid down. There was a pool of blood, but no deer. It just vanished like something had carried it off. Well, as odd as that is, I said to the father-in-law that, well, that monster slash bear took it. Father-in-law said, or a person, but there was no signs of a person. There was no signs of a bear, no signs of a monster or anything, The deer was just gone. That evening, we were in the camper, which the night before we had slept outside in sleeping bags because it's a nice night out. Uh, it was first week in October. It was unusually warm down there. But for some reason, we all decided to sleep in the camper. Uh, We were in the camper asleep and we got awoken by the camper shaking violently. Got up, looked out, didn't see anything. We were all puzzled, but okay, you know, maybe it was the wind. Tried to go back to sleep and about half an hour later, the same thing happened. Well, this whole time we had been feeling like something was watching us. To make a long story short, after the second time of the camper shaking violently, the father-in-law who had been a hunter all his life and was in his 50s at the time, decided that something was going on. The best way he could explain it was maybe a storm front moving in. We're going to leave. We cut our trip short about three days due to the fact that quote, a storm was moving. in. we, we knew it was no storm that shook that camper. Uh, so we left that morning, got back to Ohio. There were some marks that looked like maybe finger smudges uh, about eight to nine foot up on the camper. No real evidence other than me actually seeing the creature and watching it for a couple minutes. But it was a very good feeling to get the hell out of there. Now, after we got home, uh, the brother-in-law and myself talking about how big this thing was that I saw, how big it must have been, decided we would try something. So I held my bow out at arm's length as high as I could reach, just like I did to reach that branch. He took a tape measure and measured from the tip of the bow to the ground, and it was right at 10 foot. So that creature I saw had to be around 10 foot, 10 foot 2. It was probably four and a half foot wide at the shoulders. Just massive, humongous. Scared the living hell out of me still scares me when I think about it today. I will never forget that encounter. And since then, there have been many more.
0: Right, and so when you were you know, out there and you were hunting, now, if I remember correctly, you said you were there with your uh, father-in-law, so I'm assuming you were just, just out of high school, so you married the girl you were dating at the time?
1: Correct, just out of high school, married my high school sweetheart. Uh, like I say, I was trying to bond with her family a little bit because they really weren't all for us being married. Uh, quote, she was too young. I was too young. And I thought spending time with him, you know, would maybe win him over. Well, what can I say? It didn't quite work. Didn't quite work out, but it was, you know, it was a different experience. Let me put it to you like that.
0: Yeah, I'd say. I mean, you're trying to win somebody over and get them to like you so you can marry their daughter, and you're you're coming back to camp saying, uh, "I saw a monster." <laughs> it's not gonna exactly. win a whole lot of people over uh, when you saw that thing. Exactly. Now, do you think that? this thing was stalking you when you first saw it and you thought it was a rock and it stood up. Do you think that it was kind of stalking you and that's why you had all the other interaction following your initial uh, sighting? No, it didn't know I was there. The wind was blowing toward me
1: past it. So I was downwind of it. It couldn't smell me. And as I say, we were at an apple orchard. The other side of it was what they call a press house where they press apples into apple cider. Once they press the apples into the apple cider, what they call the mash, which is uh, crushed apples, they just kind of threw outside into this uh, like pit and they would literally take a bobcat front end loader and scoop it up and use it for fertilizer in the field. Well, those apples, apple mash, sitting there would start to rot and it stunk to beat holy hell. I could smell the apples, what I assumed was apples when I saw that thing, but I believe my smell was masked by being downwind and by the smell of the apples. I don't believe it ever knew I was there, but now the next day, something definitely knew we were there.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. I I wonder if it did cut, you know catch a scent of you or something. I don't know, but like you said, I mean, definitely the next day something new you guys were there. So, I mean, just the fact that that you saw one in the area, we know that, you know, there's probably more than one then and uh they probably stumbled across you. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm
1: figuring that
0: when I saw that one
1: probably on that trip Another one had seen me, and I'm sure they interact in some way, and that's why we started having the problems with them. I mean, that night as we were sitting out by the campfire cooking dinner, it was like you swore somebody was watching you. You could feel the eyes. We could hear noise in the brush at the tree line, but we couldn't see anything. Well, the father-in-law said, Being the skeptic and you know the outdoorsman that he was that's just deer running around in there foraging
0: (laughs) yeah it's just some deer running around and foraging uh kirk let's just take a break right now when we come back we'll jump right back into things we'll be right back everybody Okay, the last few weeks I've been talking to you about Astonishing Legends, and I want to come at you one more time about Astonishing Legends, Scott and Forrest. These guys have been doing this podcast, Astonishing Legends, for quite a while, since 2014, and since then they've built up quite an audience. Their quality of audio is amazing. I'm telling you right now, if you enjoy the quality of audio that you have with the confessionals, you're going to really enjoy the quality of audio Astonishing Legends offers. Not only do they offer great quality audio and great content, but they also have a bookstore on their website and a blog. So if you want to go to AstonishingLegends.com and check out their blog, it's an awesome blog. It has lots of content on it, and their bookstore has quite a few books on there that you're going to love to check out. So go ahead and check out AstonishingLegends.com. And if you want to contact them, go to AstonishingContact at gmail.com. That's AstonishingContact at gmail.com. Go to iTunes and look up Astonishing Legends, and you will love their show. So subscribe today. Never really admitted to the idea of feeling like he was being watched?
1: No, he never admitted to it, but as I say, we cut the trip short three days, got the hell out of there. Uh, we actually pulled out at 5 a.m. Uh, didn't really, and then once we were back, we figured out that we didn't even get all our stuff. We had left some stuff there. But that, have, he wanted to leave so quick that evidently didn't make a difference. Uh, we checked with a couple of people the next week, you know, him saying that it was a storm front moving in and it was only the wind that shook the camper, uh, come find out. They had beautiful weather for the next week that it was still unseasonably high with the daytime highs in the uh, middle seventies.
0: That's interesting. Uh, so, I'm assuming to this day, as far as you know, he's never really admitted to feeling spooked or anything. Even, I'm assuming he saw the fingerprints on the handprints on the camper.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. How did he explain that away?
1: He said, Well, those were smudges from a tree branch we must have rubbed against. Well, they went up and down, not vertical, not horizontal, rather. So, that rules that out but he would never admit to anything but i can tell you this he never went back down to that location to hunt again
0: it's that old hunter instinct i guess where they they won't tell you that they're scared but they're scared <laughs> and uh exactly exactly Now, I I think you said it was his son, your brother-in-law, that was with you. Now, what did he have to say about it? I mean, was he more open to talking about the possibility of something crazy happening?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He would talk about it uh, probably for the first year. But after that, he never really wanted to discuss it anymore because, quote, Pops, which is what he called his dad, Pops always said that it can't be anything, so it had to just be the wind. And we don't know what you saw, but, you know, it, it you must have just imagined it.
0: Wow. So you just imagined we something. We did find a couple. We, something stealing his deer, yeah. And
1: something shaking the camper that woke all three of us up. Wow.
0: Because that's the thing I mean when it came to the whole deer going missing, did it how long did it take you to track down the deer once he yelled, "I got one, and you guys tracked down the blood puddle? How long did that take roughly we
1: we tracked it, it was probably forty forty five minutes to get okay. from where he shot it to where we found the blood pooling and the matted down grass. Which was actually it was right at the edge where it turns into the woods.
0: Okay. So when you when you get there, there wasn't a body anywhere. It was the body was literally gone, right? Nothing.
1: It was gone. Like something swooped down and carried it away.
0: See, and that's the thing. I mean, as a veteran hunter that shot this, I'm assuming he shot a mature deer, a doe or a buck that was mature, right? And I just don't see. It was an eight-point buck. Okay, so it was a big, it was a sizable deer, and you know to carry something like that away, that that's got to be pretty hard if you're a person, right? Oh yeah, because you said there was no drag marks, right?
1: No, no drag marks whatsoever. And as we were tracking this thing, uh, he William was saying that. Oh, this was probably 250 pound deer, but it was a massive deer. It was a hell of a deer. Well, of course, you all know, you've got adrenaline flowing when you shoot it. Maybe it wasn't quite that big, but I'm sure it was still probably at least 200 pounds. Holy cow. So, I mean, would have definitely been very hard for a person to carry off. You would pretty much have to drag it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely possible to carry 200 pounds, but when, when you put the equation in 200 pounds out in the woods, you know, having to probably do it by yourself and do it quickly enough that nobody sees you, uh, there's not a whole lot of people that can do that, you know? And if, if they can, why don't they just hunt their own deer?
1: Right. And you'd also, you would have had to know the topography of the land there. It would have either had to been carried back past us, which it wasn't, or it would have had to go into the woods. Well, to go into the woods, you were about two miles to the next road, having to cross a fairly wide stream and pretty mountainous uh, terrain. So it would have made no sense for a human to pick it up and take it into the woods.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And when you, this whole thing happened and you guys go back home, did you tell your girlfriend what happened?
1: Well, actually, she was my wife. We had just got married in July. And this happened in October, the first week of October. Uh, Oh, yeah, I told her and she laughed at me. Uh, She was daddy's little girl and daddy could do no wrong daddy would never lie you know he knew best and... <laughs> okay well like i say the marriage didn't last real long but
0: <laughs> oh so uh you kind of started off on the wrong foot there huh exactly yeah well i uh I definitely think that you saw something. Obviously, man. I mean, it's kind of hard to mistake when you are picking a, a marker out. You you see the two trees, and then you see something that wasn't there, four feet high, and then it stands up to about ten feet high. It's kind of hard to mistake in that for anything else. Uh, what was your what was your knowledge? Exactly. Of, yeah. Exactly. So, w- what was your knowledge at that time on Bigfoot? I know you said you didn't think it was Bigfoot at the moment, but did you know about Bigfoot?
1: Well, okay. Let me give you a little background. My grandmother was Cherokee and growing up when we would go down to visit her, she lived in West Virginia, her and my grandfather, when we would go down to visit, sometimes she would tell stories about quote, the hairy man of the woods. And she also told the story about the hairy man of the woods fighting with the dog headed man, but. You know, as kids, we always thought that this was just some tail to keep us inside at night. Uh, they lived on a farm down in the mountainous region, and we liked to go outside and play. You know. Well, we just figured that it was tails to keep us in- indoors so they could watch us better. Uh, but as far as ever knowing about Bigfoot, I had no clue about it. I actually, after that occurrence happened, like I say, that was in 77, and I really struggled wrapping my mind around what the hell it was I saw. I knew it was not a bear, but I didn't know what it was. And I just happened to, I was in the library looking through some books, and I picked up one on cryptozoology that was out of place. Uh, what the hell is cryptozoology? So I opened the book up and there was a picture of the exact thing I saw. And then I knew what it was. But for those six years, I had no no clue whatsoever what it was I saw, just couldn't imagine y'all. You know, I knew it wasn't a bear, but I also knew it wasn't a human. And you know what could it have been? Well, at that point when I saw it, then I knew what it was. Then I knew all the stories that Grandma had said were true.
0: And and that, that moment, did that kind of cha- was that like a life changing moment for you? Did you start yep, looking into the yep, topic? That more? was
1: one hundred. That was one hundred percent life changing. I started. I truthfully, at that point in time, decided, well, even though I can't make a living at it, I'm going to be a part-time cryptid investigator. And I've been investigating these things every chance I get ever since then. And in my, shall we say, journey of investigations, uh, at the time I only thought that there was Sasquatch slash Bigfoot slash the hairy man of the woods then I learned of other things such as dog man and a few years ago had a dog man encounter and during the times of my research I found out about what the Indians call a shapeshifter. and actually recently this past summer had a well, actually this past fall I had an experience with a shapeshifter.
0: Yeah, you know, since you mentioned about the dog dogman encounter, you know, why don't you uh just kind of take us into that encounter that you had because I found it very fascinating when you told me. Well,
1: that was actually I want to say the one that sticks out most in mind and I've had three. The one that sticks out most in mind uh, happened 2000 and Fourteen was I was pulling out of a driveway. Had been over to visit a friend, and here in western Pennsylvania, in Washington County, and I just backed out of his driveway, turned the wheels to get straight to go down the road, and this thing that once more this was a humongous thing. It jumped. Right across the hood, cleared the hood of my two thousand and eight Jeep Liberty, which is a fairly high sitting vehicle. it cleared the hood in one bound, ah uh, ran up the embankment beside the road, and was literally gone. I saw it maybe fifteen seconds, but as it leaped across the hood, it looked right in. The windshield. And there's nothing that I can say that it could be, including Sasquatch, other than a dog man. Uh, this thing was your classic canine looking dog man, it was a werewolf from hell, shall we say. And that scared the hell out of me. I mean, I, I literally, as I say, I was ready to go forward, had shifted the car from reverse to drive. And all I could do is sit there. I couldn't take my foot off the brake. I couldn't do anything. I just sat there for probably three, four minutes wondering, in total disbelief, total shock and just couldn't wrap my head around that one either but you know seeing is believing and this thing looking in at me with teeth that had to be an inch and a half long it, it's frightening let me put it to you like that
0: yeah i absolutely frightening so this thing jumps across the hood and it looks in at you, and you got you got a really good look at this thing then. I mean, what what was the, the body like? Did, was the body more like a, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. Is it like your classical werewolf-type body, or was it more like dog-like? Well, it
1: had the canine features of the hind legs, shall we say the reversed facing legs like a dog. Ah. Uh, it's arms slash legs, and I'm not really sure what you would call them, but we'll call them it's arms. It had more hand than paw, shall we say, uh, and it's claws. I just just got a glimpse of it, but they appeared
0: to be probably three inches long. Wow. So it didn't have really paws. It had more of like hand, like more like hands. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And you said the fangs were how long? Like three inches? Probably. No, the fangs
1: were an inch and a half sticking out. Okay. It's mouth was closed, but yet it's canine. I could see it's canine teeth and the front teeth. And with the closed jaw, the upper fangs were sticking below the lower jaw by about an inch and a half.
0: Now, when you saw this thing and it jumps across your hood, it just kept going. It didn't stop. It didn't like bother you at all. It just kept moving like it was just jumping over a no, tree.
1: Just Right, exactly. Like it was just a high hurdle for it to jump over, and I was nothing to it.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's incredible, man. And that was in Pennsylvania, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was just outside of 84 Pennsylvania.
0: Okay. Well, wow, that's that's pretty nuts. So <laughs> we're going to take a break right now and when we come back, we'll dive right back into things with Kirk. We'll be right back, everybody. Yeah. Said recently you've had a shapeshifter encounter. Uh was was that in Pennsylvania as well?
1: Correct. That was very near the Pennsylvania West Virginia border.
0: So what happened there? Well,
1: as I say, uh a lot of this stuff has happened. Some of this stuff has happened to a good friend also including a Bigfoot around his house and a dog man around his house. Last February, we found the dogman man, Prince. Uh, he's had a lot of livestock killed. So we started doing more investigations, shall we say, trying to get to the bottom of this thing, trying to prove that it exists. So we were at this one location where it had been rumored to have been spotted before it actually is on, uh, the cloaked hedgehogs map of being spotted there. We were doing the investigation. Both of us were on quads. It was early on a Sunday morning in October, there again, the first weekend in October, uh, except. It was, shall we say, on the chilly side. Uh, The high for the day was only going to be about 50 degrees. We're out in the middle of nowhere, riding this trail that used to be an old logging road, uh, bordering a coal company's property. We come to the top of this trailhead. There's maybe a hundred yards before the intersection with another trail. We're very muddy. It had rained the night before. Like I say, the high for the day was only gonna be 50. We encounter this little old man that I would say from the looks of him would be about late seventies. This man is dressed kind of odd. He has on nothing but a police pullover shirt. He has very baggy blue jeans on. He's smoking a cigarette and he has house slippers on. Now there's no house anywhere near there. The closest house is three and a half miles away with the exception of one old abandoned house that was abandoned in 1988 that originally had been built in the 1850s. But anyways, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. So this man, we'll call it, is just totally, totally out of the normal, of anything you would think to see out there. Well, we don't want, to splash this guy with mud, so we're going by him very, very slow. When I say slow, when in both in low gear have the brakes on, we're doing maybe three mile an hour at the most. as I say, the guy is smoking a cigarette, so we go by this individual at three mile an hour, literally three foot away from him. The first thing that was odd was we could not smell the smoke. The second thing was when we looked down and both noticed that the guy had house slippers on, but there were, there was no mud on the house slippers. As soon as we got by the guy, we went maybe another hundred foot. I stopped Hank, my partner, and I said, there's something strange about this guy. We got to go back and find, find him, see what's up. I said, this guy does not belong here. And the first thing came to mind was, you know, maybe this is some old man with dementia. And literally, as I'm standing there saying that, we hear a series of wood knocks. We turn right around. as I say, we only went about 100 foot, so we're talking all this within a minute. We turned right back around. The man was gone. To the right of that trail is a 300-foot drop-off into a river. To the left, it goes up, raises about 100 foot into very thick, dense woods. Okay, but yet... Somebody that old, somebody dressed like that is not going to be able to go into these woods and be out of sight. The guy just basically vanished other than us hearing those three tree knocks. So we're very puzzled where this dude is. We went ahead, we looked, oh, about an hour for him. Then near the same spot, There's about a 16-year-old kid appears, once more, totally out of character, dressed in just a tank top and a pair of basketball shorts. As I say, the high for the day is going to be 50 degrees. So any kid would be freezing his ass off standing out there in the damp But lo and behold, there this kid is and we get by him. Hank at that time was one that stopped because my mind was still, I want to find this old man. Hank at that time stopped and said, you know, there's something not right about this boy. I said, yeah, let's go talk to him. Well, we were probably 50 foot or so, only past him to the point where I should be able to turn my head, look back and see him. And I turned my head, got off the quad. There's nothing there. I look over into the valley and literally what appears to be a dog, man is standing there by a tree and ducks behind the tree. Now, was it a dog man and this kid just disappeared? I don't know. By what Indian legend tells me, that this was probably the old man, the kid, the tree knocks, the dog man slash werewolf, whatever the hell you want to call it, was probably all a shapeshifter. We tried to ride over to where we saw the dogman slash werewolf being the fact that it's about a 300 foot drop off. And there's a big Creek down there. Couldn't go directly there. So we had to go, uh, probably a mile down to where we could get across the Creek and then ride back up to where we saw it at. By that time, there was nothing. There were odd prints beside the tree, though, that appeared to be dog or wolf, but shall we say, dog or wolf on steroids? They were about eight by five and a half, eight by six inches.
0: Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, you, you just because I mean, basically, what you're saying is. The the man and the boy there there was really nowhere for them to go right.
1: No there there was nowhere they could have not went anywhere without being seen. They just vanished, Tony.
0: Wow. Now when you when you said uh, I forget how you described it, but you said oh you said you saw what looked like a dog man. Now when yeah, you it s- was
1: it was actually closer to what. You would think of as say a werewolf out of the movies
0: did it see you oh yeah it stood there and looked at us and what did you guys do at that point just kind of sat there in disbelief
1: the only redeeming aspect was we had the feeling because it was down the embankment a couple hundred feet and across the
0: creek uh And we were on quads that we could get the hell out of there before it could get to us. So, I mean, I, I would have been scared that it was going to chase after me. Is that something that crossed your mind? Oh, hell yes. You know,
1: both of us are have uh, rather large quads that'll run about 65 mile an hour. Uh, we both thought we could have outran it, but... <laughs> Yeah, it definitely crossed both our
0: minds about this thing coming after us. So what do you what do you think? I mean, do you think that this was a dogman that and they can they, they have shapeshifting ability, or do you think that this was a, like a shapeshifter shape shapeshifting into a dogman for appearance?
1: Well, let me say this. In the years of research, you basically what I've found is you have Bigfoot. Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature. You have Dogman. Dogman is a flesh and blood creature. Then you have, as the Indians refer, to a shapeshifter that can take any form. My personal belief is this was a shapeshifter and this took the form of a Dogman. Be it to scare us or be it the fact it was ready to attack, I don't know, but...
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I the whole shapeshifter idea and stuff. I don't know a ton about, but I know uh it's definitely rich in Native American uh history and and culture. They talk about that a lot. Yes, they do. So, you've had these encounters, you know, the Bigfoot encounters, the Pit Dog Man, the shapeshifter, you know, you're out there in Western PA. What what's some of your conclusions here? Do you are you thinking that these are undiscovered uh, animals or do you think that these are, there's a more supernatural aspect to it? Uh, a lot of people seem to think that Dogman isn't a natural creature. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well let me give you some history from what the Native Americans say. Dogman and Bigfoot had a war in the late 1600s, early 1700s that actually happened around Wheeling, West Virginia. Even though Dogman were outnumbered by Bigfoot almost four to one, uh, Dogman almost defeated Bigfoot in the war, but it decimated both their numbers uh, to the point where they almost made each other extinct. Now, I do believe both are flesh and blood creatures yet to be discovered and I believe the reason that we're having these sightings now is it's simply, it's taken this long for their numbers to get back up to where we are now seeing them. And I believe in the future, we are going to see more of them, have more sightings, and I believe that science will, at some point in time, have to admit, hey, these things are real. Now, as far as the shapeshifter goes, I don't have a damn clue what it is. (laughs) I mean, the Indians, seriously, the Indians say that it is a spirit. It's demonic. It's called up from the depths of hell and it's basically called up for a curse. But you know, I can't say one way or another. I just know that I really don't want to run into it again with the exception of maybe if I've got a tank you know, or, you know, maybe a flamethrower.
0: Yeah. No, I I get it, man. I mean, I've never seen anything like that, but I mean, I can imagine seeing that stuff can, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I've heard of people's encounters and stuff and some pretty scary encounters. And if I had a scary encounter like that, I don't know if I'd be able to step foot back into the woods.
1: Tony, come on down for one of our investigations this season. And there's a good possibility that you will see
0: something. Well, you know what? If the invite's on the table, I am planning on making my way out to Western PA sometime this year, so maybe we can link up. Not a problem,
1: brother. I got an extra quad you can ride with us. Uh, we do several different types of investigations. Some include, you know, quads with them, some include stealth investigations. We do one that's called the curiosity investigation where you actually try to bait these creatures to come in to see what the hell is going on. And that actually seems to work pretty good. Uh, one thing I probably shouldn't give away, but I will is they seem to be attracted to very cheap, strong smelling perfume.
0: Really? So like dollar store perfume, right? That's interesting. I've never heard that before, but uh, I mean, well, I, I mean, you gotta actually, try other things.
1: Sure, I'm sure you're familiar with Land Between the Lakes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, one of the theories of why that family was killed there was because of the perfume that the lady was wearing.
0: Yeah, I've never heard that, but I mean. If, if It makes sense, though, if you're investigating and you hear something like that to implement it into your investigations to see how it works. Right, right. Well, Kirk, I really appreciate you coming on and talking and sharing some of your encounters and stuff. Man, it's really interesting stuff. And uh, before we get out of here, I know you just created your Facebook page for your group, but if you uh, give a shout-out to you know what your group's called, people can kind of come and check it out.
1: Sure. Our group is Northeast Cryptid investigation services. Uh, you got a problem? Give us a call. We'll come investigate. We are 100% free. The Facebook page was just created. I haven't added anything yet, but by the end of the weekend, it will be a lot of our investigation evidence will be posted on it. Right now we have Four members soon to add our fifth and sixth. Uh, four of the members are all seasoned investigators. One has six years investigating Bigfoot, is a very good evidence gatherer. Uh, one of us has thirty years experience in the woods, and then my experience, and another has five years experience investigating Dogman in particular.
0: Wow. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, like I said, I know you just created the Facebook group yesterday, but uh, by the time this show airs and everything, hopefully people start coming in and checking out your your uh, group there. And, you know, if they have a need, hopefully they give you a call, man. But I really appreciate you coming on and, check, and checking in with me and sharing some of your stories. No problem, Tony. All right, brother. Take care. <laughs> Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And as always, whenever we do a show at Pennsylvania, we find out Pennsylvania is more mysterious than any of us can explain. So that will wrap up this week. Hopefully you guys have a great week ahead of you. Stay safe, take care, and I'll see you right here next Saturday night on The Confessionals.